All right, hey guys, welcome to another episode of Pursuing Jesus Podcast. My name is Shane Winnings. So thankful you're here today. We are going to talk about Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. Are you past the point of repentance? Are you too far gone? Or can people be too far gone? What does that mean? What does the scripture mean when it talks about if someone falls away that has experienced God, it's impossible to renew them to repentance? What does that mean? I'm excited to dive into this. First, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for being such a faithful streamer of this podcast. We're so blessed. And uh, if you want to help us continue to do what we're doing, you can always partner with us monthly through Anchor. Um, you can click the link in the podcast description, I believe, and it should give you the option to support monthly. We're not asking people to give hundreds of dollars a month unless you feel compelled. We're just saying, hey, would you consider giving five, ten dollars a month? Consider giving up one cup of coffee at Starbucks a month and uh, help us continue to do what we do. We're not paid to do what we're do. We what we do. We're we're totally supported by donors, and so I want to thank you and invite you into that. It means a lot. It helps us continue to push out content like this. As I said, I'm going to be putting out more podcast episodes. So here I am. Let's get into this. Hebrews six four through six. For it is impossible for those who are once enlightened, and have tasted the heavenly gift, and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now, I did a live yesterday morning. I was diving into Hebrews. I I was asking God, I was like, where do you want me to read? I kind of finished where I was before, and I didn't know where to go. Next, And I felt like Hebrews. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't know what to read in Hebrews. So I just started on chapter 1, and I started reading. And as soon as I got to chapter 6, Hebrews is an incredible book, and I was getting a lot out of 1 through 5. And as soon as I got to 6 and I stopped on this verse, it like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, I have to understand what this means fully. I need to know. Because I get a lot of questions regarding this verse. I get a lot of concern in my DMs and and even emails. People are worried. And the reason they're worried is because, one, there's a problem with the scripture, and two, there is a lack of understanding. So first, let me address what the main concern is. People say this, Shane, I'm worried. I'm a Christian. I have willfully sinned, and I'm worried that it's impossible for me to be renewed to repentance. I've I've tasted the, the good word of God. I've tasted the heavenly gift. I have been a partaker of the Holy Spirit, and then I did what I knew I shouldn't do. And now I'm worried that God is mad at me, and I'll never be renewed to repentance. There was even a woman who was on the live yesterday. This is This is how I knew it was the Lord, and I was so thankful. You, I couldn't plan something like this. I'm not that amazing. God is amazing. And if we just humble ourselves and let him use us, he'll do incredible things. Despite all of our faults, despite all of our shortcomings, despite our best even abilities to try to be amazing, 
God far supersedes anything we could ever attempt at. So I finished this little study I did yesterday. I was reading a bunch of commentaries and digging into the original text. And I just felt a prompt to go on Instagram Live. And it was like, I don't know, 6.45 a.m. or something like that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Well, like 80 or 90 people hopped on. And as soon as I started talking about this, this woman said, I have been suicidal because of this verse. I'm a Christian, but I fell into sin and I was worried that God hated me and all this stuff. And she got her eyes open to truth and she's not suicidal anymore. Like that is incredible. And so I wanted to put this in a podcast so that you could have it and listen to it anytime. So here we go. The first thing that I found in these commentaries that I read was that the word if was added by translators. And everyone I read that did a commentary, they were furious at the translators. Now the if I'm talking about is in verse 6. It says, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. That is not what the original text said. According to these guys, the original text, and according to the the text that was translated, it says, they fell away, or who fell away, referring to someone who has already fallen away. Now, the translators have said they added the word if because it appeared that Scripture contradicted itself and they were trying to sort it out. And these guys are like, listen, when you translate, you don't try to make it sound like what you think it should sound like. You just translate it word for word. You translate it over. You don't add things in there because it makes it confusing. Now, why is that important? Because it's describing people who have already fallen away. This is important because Christians who are struggling in sin have not fallen away. But they're reading if they fall away and they are perceiving as the fact that they are struggling with sin means that they are falling away and this applies to them. So number one, I want you to know something. If you care about your sin, this verse is not for you. This passage is not for you. If you care what God thinks, if you even have a fear of the Lord, even if it's unhealthy and it makes you feel suicidal, that is better than having your heart totally hardened to the Lord. Now, I'm going to explain that because by the end of this podcast, if you were suicidal, I believe that you won't be because you'll have a revelation. You'll have knowledge. The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, we're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So let's get some knowledge and we'll stop the destruction. But someone who is so walking in a fear of the Lord is in a better place than someone who is totally hardened to God. And that is actually what I learned in the first few chapters of Hebrews is they're talking about hardening yourself to God, hardening your heart. So listen, before we even really get into this, if this is you, if you feel like your heart has been hardened towards God, but you care even 1%, you care 1% about what God thinks, you care 1% when you sin and you, you still feel bad, you still feel horrible, whatever, even if you have a fear of God, but it's only 1%, I want you to pray this right now. Say, God, make my heart tender. I want to hear from you today. My heart is open. Please speak to me. Please do not let me harden my heart towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Okay, so this was referring to people who fell away. Now let's describe fell away. Fell away is not someone who was a Christian and walking in the gifts and maybe you're even on the worship team or you were a pastor and then you fell into sin and so because of that, you feel like you're disqualified. That's not fell away. Even backsliding. Maybe you're living in sin, but you hate it and you wish you could be free and you still believe everything in God. You're just, you know, you're living in sin. That is not who they're talking about. These guys were talking about people who went back to Judaism. People who literally left the Christian faith. Fell away as in they rejected Jesus Christ. They rejected God. That is why it says they crucify him again and put him to an open shame. So if you are not rejecting God and rejecting Jesus Christ, this is not for you. You don't have to be afraid. These are people who have said, I'm done with God. I'm done with Jesus. I hate God. I hate Jesus. Whatever. They have they literally left the faith. They fell away. And that's referred to in other parts of the New Testament. Even in Colossians 1, uh, Paul is talking about us being holy, blameless, and righteous in the sight of God if indeed we continue in the faith. Other verses talk about if we do not you know, depart or fall away or leave from the teaching that we've been, the hope that we've been, you know, it's this is the verbiage. Because we have the ability to leave. We're not robots. We have the ability to walk away. I was telling my wife this the other day. This is what makes our love so special. This is what makes love special. Is that nobody has to be there. Like, you literally are forsaking the rest of the world to be with each other. And you know at any time, the other person could leave. Now, you, you know, you marry the right person and you are both walking in the Spirit of God, so you believe wholeheartedly, like, that's not going to happen. But that's not the point. The point I'm making is, it's possible. Like, you could leave. Some people do it. But when you're walking in love, there's not a fear there. There's an appreciation of, like, wow, you could be with anyone. You could leave. You could go do your own thing. You could live your best life, whatever you want to call it but you're choosing to stay, and that is love. This is the Christian faith. We have the ability to reject God. We have the ability to walk away from Him, but we know what comes with that decision. We are denying Him, we're rejecting our faith, and we will inherit the, pun- the penalty and the punishment of our sin, which the Bible says is death, spiritual death, eternal separation from God. But we know this. We don't want to walk away. This is a verse, this is a passage for people that have rejected God and rejected Jesus Christ. Now, let's get into the first part. People say, yeah, but listen, it says it's impossible if you were enlightened and tasted the heavenly gifts and become partakers of the Holy Spirit and all this stuff. Yes. What is he saying is impossible? It's, look at, you have to look at the wording here. For it is possible for those who were once enlightened, get rid of everything else until two commas later, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. Okay, so if you were once enlightened in this very descriptive way, it's impossible to renew you to repentance. 
Why? Because this passage is saying, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, you have already had the highest spiritual experience. You've already received revelation. You've already, it says you've partaken of the Holy Spirit. You've tasted heavenly gifts. You've tasted the good word and the powers of the age to come. You didn't just dabble in it like you experienced God and you experienced his spirit. And then you choose to reject him. What this passage is saying is this. There is no higher spiritual experience or earthly encounter or sensual whatever. There's nothing else greater that you could experience that would get you to change your mind. You've already experienced the height of what you're going to experience on the earth and you choose to reject it. I thought about the story of the rich man and a man named Lazarus when I was studying this. And I see a lot of parallels. So there was a... I can't remember where this is found. Let me look. Um, Rich man. And man named Lazarus. Here we go. Matthew 27. Nope. That's not it. I don't remember where this... Oh, here we go. Luke 16. Let's check this out. Yes, Luke 16, 19 through 31. It's a story of a rich man and a man named Lazarus. So the rich man dies. He is tormented in Hades. And the man named Lazarus was a beggar. He died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. So the rich man looks up and he sees... Abraham and Lazarus and the rich man is crying out and he's saying father Abraham send Lazarus let him just dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame how thirsty how hot do you have to be to just want not even a drop of water but someone to dip their finger in water and put it on your tongue that is true torment listen to what Abraham says Son, remember in your lifetime you received good things, likewise Lazarus evil, but now he's comforted and you're tormented. And he says, besides this, there's no way for us to get to each other. There's a great gulf fixed between us. Now listen to what the rich man says. I beg you that you would send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers. Let him testify to them so that they do not come here to this place of torment. This is what Abraham says. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Then the rich man says this, No, Father Abraham, if one goes from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham says this, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. That blew my mind when I read it the other day. This is earthly wisdom. And maybe we've been guilty of it. Earthly wisdom says if people would just see a miracle, if they would just see God do the miraculous, they would believe. If they would only, like the rich man said, if a dead person would just come back and say, listen, I've been there. You don't want to go there. I saw your your brother and he doesn't want you to, he told me to come. And Abraham says, no, if they don't want to hear Moses and the prophets, they're not going to be persuaded by your testimony. 
Why is that? It's because it's pride. Case in point, look at the Pharisees. Did they see miracles? Absolutely. They saw all of Jesus' ministry. They saw the dead raised. What did they do? They hardened their hearts towards him, and they killed him. Now, then he rises from the dead, appears to over 500 people, makes it very clear that he was who he said he was the whole time. And what did they do? They hardened their hearts even more. Pride set in, and they said, Oh my gosh, we've killed the Son of God. We can't let people find out about this because there's going to be this great commotion, and they're going to know that we killed him. They paid people off to spread the rumor that Jesus' body was stolen so that they wouldn't think he rose from the dead. Even in the face of his resurrection that he prophesied to them would happen, they said, we can't let this get out. Let's get a rumor going. And the Bible says that rumor is still being told to this day, that lie. It's pride. It's pride. I remember when I was a brand new Christian, I used to think, dude, if I could get a miracle on camera, it would convince these unbelievers. And you know what? Some are. But they have a heart position of, man, if, if, I, if I really do see from God, like I'm, I'm all in. But then there's a heart position of, I don't, I don't want to believe in God. I don't care. I'm not going to believe. It doesn't matter what miracle you show them. I've even prayed for people who got healed and they tried to talk it, like they tried to dismiss it as something else. It's pride. And so when we go back to Hebrews, we see it's because these people have encountered God in such a way that would be transformative, but they choose to reject Him. And thus the Bible says it would be impossible for them to repent because there's nothing that could convince them to do so. There's no greater experience. And so where am I going with all this? Well, one, I want you to know I want you to know that if you worry about your relationship with God, if you struggle, if you have fear, that can be a good thing. You need to funnel that, channel it in a good way, that you have a healthy reverence and fear of God. The Bible does say the fear of the Lord is to hate what is evil. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. To work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like there is a reverence, there's a holy fear Jesus even said, why do you fear man who can destroy your body, but not God who could destroy your body and your soul in hell? Like, there is a reverence of like, oh my gosh, God could totally do this, but he won't because he's promised to keep me forever. And he sealed me for the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit. It's just like I was talking about in a relationship. The reason love is so powerful is because we have the ability to leave, but we don't. We choose to stay. God has the ability to destroy every single one of us, and that should put a fear in our heart, but a healthy fear because we trust him, and he has said that he won't do that. He has said, man, I've given everyone the right to become a child of God, one of my children. If you become one of my children, I'm going to take care of you. No one's going to snatch you out of my hand. I'm going to save you. I'm going to be with you forever. You are my son. You are my daughter, and I am your father I'm your Lord, I'm your master, I'm your savior. I love you. This is God. He's the same God that could utterly destroy us for eternity, but he's promised not to and that he loves us. There has to be this reverence of like, God, this is what you're capable of, but this is who you are and what you've said. And so I walk in this balance of, 
fear but love. It's not afraid fear. It's a reverence. It's a humility. This is what we need to walk in. But I say that to say, if you are walking in afraid fear, ask God to help you with that. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear, and that where there's fear, where there where there's love, there can't be fear. Fear has to do with torment. Someone who is afraid has not been perfected in love. So there's just a place of intimacy with God that you need to perfect, and that comes through time with Him. So spend more time with Him. Spend more time getting to know Him. Spend more time in His presence, and He will show it to you. The second reason I bring this up is this. If you are listening and you have walked away from God, maybe you've said horrible things, maybe you've blasphemed Him, maybe you've rejected Him, maybe you've cursed Him, but you're listening and there is even 1% of you that wishes you hadn't or 1% of you that feels like you should probably be serving the Lord. Man, get off of this podcast right now and just pray. Ask God to lead you again. Ask Him to be your Father apologize. Apologize for backsliding. Apologize for rejecting. Apologize. Repent for leaving. Just like the prodigal son did. He left, but he came back home with a humble heart. He was ready to be a servant, and the father said, no way, you're a son. Come back with that heart of a servant, but knowing that you are a son or a daughter. Humility is... I was going to say humility goes a long way, but that doesn't even scratch the surface of what humility is. That is the kingdom, is humility. Philippians 2, Christ humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Because he was humbled, then God exalted him. So come to God humbly. You can repent right now, even while listening to this. You can open your heart back up to God. You could say, God, I'm sorry that I closed you off. I'm sorry I hardened myself to you. I don't want to ever get to the place where I'm so far gone, so hard that I can't be renewed to repentance. If you care right now, it's not too late for you. If you do care, you're in a good place. I hope this helped. Listen, share this with someone. Send it to them. I want them to be free. I don't want anyone to be walking in shame, guilt, or condemnation or feeling like God feels a certain way towards you because you don't understand, or you've been told wrongly. So I hope this helps. Let me know. Leave a review, like, comment, send me a DM, something like that. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Hit the notification bell so that you get an alert when we post a new episode. Bless you guys. We will see you next time.